3: Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, and Michael Borky on this Friday with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. That's where you can go to kind of find out everything that's happening at Pearl River Resort. But you got to do yourself better than that. You got to visit them in person, whether it's for the uh, the table games or the slot machines or the sports book or maybe it's golf. They've got it all at Pearl River Resort and the sports book at Golden Moon Casino. Thanks for being with us. We'd love to hear from you. You know that on the C Spire text line 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get Gigabit Fiber Internet from Seaspire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live right where you do. That's right here in Seaspire Country cspire.com slash business.
4: What's up my man? Friday! Uh, so yeah, Friday. Uh, football Friday. There's actual football being played. I finally got asked uh, by a friend about something related to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin that wasn't about Auburn. It oh, yeah. was actually about the football game being played tomorrow and Zach Evans' availability, of which I don't know. There was talk <laughs> earlier this week that uh, there's a good chance that he plays You know, with concussion protocol. you got to pass some tests and stuff. Uh, but there was some optimism earlier this week. And uh, for what it's worth on his coach's show last night, Kiffin referenced again that they are extremely healthy compared to going into the bye week. So we'll see. But, hey. Not everything is about Auburn anymore, which is, that was a refreshing change of pace. So, in the Magnolia State,
3: Southern Miss, well, let's start. Let's do this uh, in order of kickoff time. Mississippi State kicking off at 11 tomorrow. They are hosting East Tennessee State in Starkville. And it should be win number seven on the year for Mississippi State. Sunbelt Conference in Hattiesburg. Man, it's a big one. Rivalry game. Game's going to be televised on NFL Network. 2.30 Central Time for South Alabama and Southern Miss. And South Alabama has had the upper hand in this series as of late. Southern Miss still sitting there with five wins. And uh bowl eligibility hanging in the balance for the Golden Eagles. So they got two opportunities to uh to get to win number six on the season, and you know, would prefer to get the win tomorrow and then have a chance to get to win number seven. And then you've got Ole Miss and Arkansas, six thirty kickoff tonight, uh tomorrow night, SEC Network, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kublick. Tom told us earlier this week that this is going to be one of those games where they broadcast from the field. And, Borky, I, I mentioned that to you, or we got to the break, and you are like, I don't know. You you had questions about the logistics of that.
4: Yeah, and I remember when they did it for uh, the Vanderbilt game last year. And it, it sounded it, – it, people made fun of it because they're only doing this because they expect a bad football game. But I kind of like – That was the case a year ago when yeah. it was Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. I do wonder what it's going to look like here. I, I don't remember there being any problems last time. I guess is what I'm trying to say. They did it, and I don't remember thinking, "Ah, this is bad." Like when the baseball broadcast brought the broadcaster's dad in to talk about Tennessee football during it. <laughs> yeah, you know th- That that was bad. Okay. I don't I don't remember the on field broadcast being being bad. So. Yeah, no, I think it was
3: fine. Uh, and it, you asked me kind of about the perspective of calling the game there. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now there are things probably that you will miss that you would not have missed if you, you know, from a, a play-by-play perspective, if you were in the booth. But there are also things that you will see. And and you know, you said to me, "Man, how do you see anything?" And I just gave you the example. I mean, if I was if I was working with Ole Miss this weekend and something happened technically, where all of a sudden David Kellum's microphone went out and I had to pick up play-by-play from the field, you could do it. Yeah, you can see what's happening. It's just a different vantage point. It's a different angle, and, you know, maybe you, you bring something else. There is another game of import, another game of significance in the state of Mississippi this weekend. For the 87th time, dating back to 1927, it is the Soul Bowl. Alcorn State and Jackson State. Alcorn State coming into this game, or excuse me, Jackson State coming into this game undefeated. When they first started playing this game in 1927, it was Alcorn A&M. And somewhere along the way, they transitioned from Alcorn A&M to Alcorn State. And the um, it's going to be in Lorman this weekend. Man, what an atmosphere that's going to be. Last year, Jackson State won the game 24-10. to They won the 2020 game by forfeit. So the official score of that game was 2-zip. Of course, that was a COVID year. But four of the previous five games, 2015, 2016, 2018, 2019, those were all Alcorn State wins. Now, obviously, those were all pre-Deon Sanders. It was a neat story by Rick Cleveland earlier this week, Borky, talking about you know, we, we, we've we had kind of the back and forth of the, you know, you're not swack, no I'm swack whatever, earlier this season with Eddie Robinson Jr. and Deion Sanders. That's not the case in, in this one. You, you've got a a great deal of respect between these two schools, between these two head coaches, and that should be fun in Lorman uh, tomorrow for, uh, for Jackson State and Alcorn State.
4: I mean, Jackson State's likely, at least I think, going to win – 11 games, in at least 11 games in two consecutive seasons. Yeah. How about that? It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, extremely impressive. I, I, people are still dismissive of that. Oh, well, because he's got the best players. He's still got to coach and win the games, though, man. I mean, it, it is not as simple as just go get a handful of good players and you're just going to win a bunch of football games. Going 11-2 and and then following it up with currently being undefeated, about to win your 11th game, it doesn't just happen on accident. It's a special run. And flashing back to when he was hired, if you'd have told me that that was going to happen, I would not have believed you. And here we are, right? I
3: mean, the, the turnaround has been remarkable.
4: Yeah, and you and- know what this kind of speaks to, by the way? So Deion Sanders' resume as a coach was basically non-existent, Right. And a lot of people questioned if Jackson State is being serious with this decision, right? Remember, there were a lot of people, oh, this is a gimmick. They're not taking this. This isn't serious. It's just a money grabber or whatever. Now he's winning. We had a, albeit different, but a, a similar situation happened in the NFL, right? Colts fire their coach, and Jim Ursay decides, I remember Jeff Saturday mm-hmm. and what he did for my organization. Tried to get him to be an assistant, didn't want that, but you know what? We got half a season left. Jeff, come be my interim guy. And you saw what the takes were, right? This is an embarrassment to the profession. He hasn't earned this. That take is especially funny considering he spent 15 years playing in the NFL multiple Pro Bowls, was the center for one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live. What do you mean he hasn't earned the chance to be a coach in the NFL? What experience is that, if not experience that is worthy of a guy that gets a shot as an interim coach? Maybe, just maybe, you don't have to work your way up the coaching ranks and grind as an assistant to know what you're doing when given the reins. I don't know. I mean, if you've been in football for as long as these guys have... Maybe they've learned things from their coaches. Again, Jeff Saturday played for one of the most respected coaches to ever live. You think he didn't learn a thing or two in Dion's long career as a professional football player? You think he didn't learn a thing or two? We we I, these two guys are kind of proving that you know we may oversell the the quote unquote experience when they've played the game for as long as they have. You know. Well, and it's just a reminder that there's not one single
3: path to success in you know high level jobs right i mean there there are traditional routes where you 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 are a player maybe not a very good player but you're interested in the game or maybe you are a good player but you're not an NFL type player and you finish your college career and you become a GA and then you get an opportunity as a position coach and maybe through your connections you get another opportunity as a position coach and then you bump to a coordinator and now somebody takes a shot on you as a head coach at a smaller school and then you win and you jump to it I mean there's your traditional path and then there's the oh yeah you were a 12 time all pro fill in the blank you know the game You know people. You know motivation. There's a good staff in place. You built a good staff. Hey, let's give this a shot. And certainly it was a shot in the arm for the Colts, and it has been the biggest of shots in the arm for Jackson State football over the last couple of seasons. Here's what's coming up this afternoon. Will East will join us uh, about 20 minutes from right now? We will talk about North Half and State Half championship games in the state of Mississippi that are having happening all over the place tonight. Will says this is the best Friday night of the year. Bruce Marshall will join us at 437, as he always does. Bruce, of course, in the gold sheet. And we'll talk with Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports coming up a little bit later. Plus, it's a food Friday. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, and we sure are glad to be with you.
0: Sports Talk this is Sports Talk Mississippi What say sports fans Now here's more on Super Talk Mississippi
3: Montana, where game day is going to be broadcasting this weekend. Did you see Reese Davis doing the promo, standing at about a foot of snow? Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good stuff there. And then the game day bus arriving in a slightly different way, rolling into Montana it gets uh, a rodeo-style horse parade coming into uh, into Bozeman. Uh, that's going to be a cool scene. Uh, absolutely worthwhile. See, that's what I can really get behind when you're talking about college game day, going to different places. Not only are they going to a different place, they're going to a place where they are so excited to be there, like we saw in, in Jackson earlier this year when they came to Jackson State. But also, the the backdrop, the visuals are going to be... Spectacular! Just an absolute winter wonderland. Yeah. How would you like to be
4: driving that big old bus on snow-covered streets, rolling uh, into that, Bozeman, Montana? That, that would terrify me. But that's why they're professionals, and, and I'm not. But it, you know, I understand that that brands drive everything, right? Uh, uh, of the top ten highest-rated college football games, I think Alabama is in four or five of the top ten. I mean, I understand that, right? People care about the, the big time. But there is so much more to college football than Alabama, right? And I, I love when they do stuff like this. Some people don't. Some people think that they should just go to literally the biggest game every week, but you'll end up going to the same place all the time. Did you know they play awesome football in Bozeman, Montana? If you didn't, you're going to learn. And the scenes in the setting is incredible, and it's a cool story, and they're interesting. they're interesting people. I love that. And I wish they would honestly do more of that than than they do already, but at least they do it.
3: Got to go to Montana this summer. Absolutely gorgeous part of the country. I mean, mean, just breathtaking, spectacular, pick your adjective. All of the above. All right, it's Friday, and we've got tons to do. I mentioned uh, Will East will join us in the next segment. We'll talk high school football in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Brandon Marcello in the 4 o'clock hour. That probably will uh, not sit well with some of you, but we'll ask Brandon some questions about some of the things that he's tweeted and has reported this week and kind of why he believes some of the things that he does. So we'll, uh, we'll see where that goes. And then uh, Bruce Marshall will join us later in the 4 o'clock hour today as well. But before we get to any of that, it is time, Michael Borky, for
4: two questions. So we're, we're going to not skip Mississippi State. We'll talk about Mississippi State. But uh, to answer the questions quickly, <laughs> Mississippi State absolutely way, must. It just interrupted. I'm sorry to do that. Hey, that told you at the
3: beginning of the week, he's like, look, I, I'm the Mississippi State guy around here. We're not talking about Mississippi State much this week. Yeah, and We haven't. So honesty... That will change. And we've got a
4: fun, fun, fun week coming up for you next week leading up to the Egg Bowl. Sorry. Yeah. There a, you go. A lot of nostalgia coming next week in the best kind. Uh, but Mississippi State just has to make sure that they know exactly when the ball kicks off. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's what they absolutely must do. And what they absolutely cannot do is think that kickoff is at 4 instead of 11. Otherwise, that eh, is not worth talking about. Yeah, so, it feels pretty good. Feels pretty confident for Ole Miss in Arkansas. Ole Miss absolutely must do what to win the game tomorrow. They're a favorite, but not a very big one. Now, why don't you go first? Uh, block out the noise, and I'm not just talking about even you know Lane Kiffin Auburn stuff. I, I I imagine it was pretty hard for them, even if it was just earlier this week, to to refocus. You have this big emotional game. How many times in college football have you seen big emotional game? win or lose, and a team kind of underperformed the next week. So Ole Miss had a big emotional game. Alabama down to the last play and you lose. And when you lose, roll your eyes if you want, your chance at making the playoffs was done. And 11-1 and Ole Miss would have had an argument. They would have been in the discussion for the playoff. That is now no more. They're not. There's no chance for them to win the SEC West. LSU has locked that up. Had Ole Miss won, they still would have had a chance, just hoping Texas A&M learned how to be competent. But either way, that was taken away from them because they lost that game. So going from that to turning around and playing Arkansas, who is struggling, and it's going to be 20 degrees, and I, I maybe they sell it out and fill it up, maybe not, but it's not going it. to be the same kind of game-feeling environment. And so they, they've got to... Block all that stuff out because I I do think if Ole Miss focuses and executes, they are better than Arkansas in pretty much every facet of the game, and they should win. So as long as they are able to get back up off the mat and be motivated and locked in and focused, they're going to win. So whatever it took this week to get out of the funk of losing to Alabama and blocking out coaching search stuff, if they are able to do that – and they come out out of the gate ready to play, and they're focused and energized and locked in, I don't envision a scenario in which they lose this game. Yeah, I think I'll go a little
3: more specific even than that. Because, yeah, I mean, show up, play well, block out the noise. I don't disagree with with any of that at all. But but I think there's a more specific football thing that's got to happen. Ole Miss has got to handle Arkansas's pressure. Right, so last week you had uh, an Arkansas team that got to Jaden Daniels, who is a very mobile quarterback, seven times. They sacked him seven times. Ole Miss has done a really good job protecting the quarterback this year. Jackson Dart has not been sacked very much. Part of that, though, is because of his ability to move and to make plays with his feet, and I think Ole Miss recognizes the fact that they are not the best sit in the pocket and throw the ball down the field passing team. That's not the way their passing game is built. But you can't let the Arkansas pressure dictate the way the game is played. And so Ole Miss has absolutely got to handle that pressure from Arkansas's front seven. Those linebackers that have got a million tackles, Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool, Defensive line that's pretty decent at times. I think the thing that can work in a, to Ole Miss's advantage is Quinshawn Judkins and that ability to make one-man miss in the hole. Right. So if Arkansas brings a lot of pressure and the numbers don't work out, like if they're bringing five or six or seven and you've got less going on in the back end and you know Ole Miss's receivers do a pretty good job blocking on the outside, Quinshawn Judkins can make a guy miss and get into the second level of that defense, I think you get the opportunity, not just for big plays, but maybe a lot of big plays. But Ole Miss has got to handle the pressure from Arkansas, whether it's blitzes designed to get to the quarterback or run blitzes. So what can they not do? Ole Miss cannot bog down offensively for the entire second half. This can't be a one-half football game for Ole Miss because Arkansas has shown you that you know, K.J. Jefferson or not – they're not going to quit, right? I mean, they were down big against Mississippi State. They didn't quit in that game. Malik Hornsby made some plays with his feet last week against LSU, outmatched, out talented. They didn't quit in that ball game. Down big to Alabama. They go on a 16-0 run in that game. They didn't quit. Arkansas's not going to quit. That's not the way Sam uh, Pittman coaches. And so if you know you're getting four quarters from Arkansas, you've got to play four quarters too. Now, if you can build up a cushion in the first half, that gives you a little bit more margin for error. But Ole Miss absolutely cannot come out of the gates hot, play well in the first quarter, be up 10, be up 12, maybe carry a a, a two-score lead into the locker room, and then go into hibernation for the second half of the game offensively. Can't do it. You're going to have to play four quarters and going to have to be productive. I'm not saying that you got to score 30 in the first half and 30 in the second half, but you're going to have to be productive offensively in the final thirty minutes of the game, the way you
4: normally are in the first thirty minutes of the game, yeah. mine would be revert back to old habits defensively. So, for the last six quarters, Ole Miss's defense has been physical. They've tackled well. They've covered well. The second half against Texas A&M, they were very, they were good defensively in the second half anyway. And you can argue really after the first two possessions and against Alabama, I mean Bryce Young did Bryce Young things. But they largely controlled the line of scrimmage. They largely tackled well. Again, Bryce Young did Bryce Young things, but guess what? He doesn't play for Arkansas. They tackled well in space. They covered well. They forced a turnover, a key turnover. Those are the kind of things that they haven't been doing up until this point. If if they allow Arkansas to out-physical them, it's going to be one of those weird, long shootout kind of nights in Fayetteville for sure. So whatever they've done the last six weeks – is good enough to win this game. But if they revert back to old habits, if they get into obvious passing downs and they can't get any pressure, and if there's plays to be made in space, they take a bad angle and miss a tackle or whatever. If they're giving up five, six yards per carry on first down, those kind of things, they'll lose. But whatever they've done the last six quarters plus of football uh, is good enough to win. They were good. That's an underrated storyline from the Alabama game. Straight up good defensively in, in that game. Yeah, they were. Whatever they figured out, you hope that sticks, because if it did, they're going to win.
3: Updated forecast from Fayetteville tomorrow. It is going to be sunny. The high is 44. There's going to be pretty significant wind during the daylight hours, but sun is going to set around 530. Kickoff is at 630. It will be 32 degrees at kickoff. It's going to be about 28 degrees at halftime and when that game ends it's going to be about 25. Wind is not going to be a factor tomorrow night, only 3-4 miles an hour out of the northwest during the ball game. So cold conditions, but it will be clear, no precipitation to worry about. Will East will join us next. We'll talk
1: Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like
0: sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, Supertalk.fm, and on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalktv.com. Of course, your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations all across the state of Mississippi. We are glad to have you along for the ride on this Friday afternoon. If you are traveling, whether it's to Starkville, or to Hattiesburg, or to Laurel, uh, sorry, not Laurel, Lorman. I guess if you're traveling to Laurel, uh, if you're traveling to, uh, traveling to Lorman for Jackson State all State, or maybe you're making your way to Fayetteville and you've got us tuned in this afternoon, thanks for being with us. Or maybe you are traveling north or south inside the state of Mississippi for high school football on this Friday night. Will East joins us right now. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau, of course, Mississippi Farm Bureau, the sponsor of the High School Football Scoreboard Show right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 10 until 11.30 tonight with all of the news and all of the games. Will East has been telling me, really since like mid-August, but certainly for the last two weeks, this is the night. This
2: is the one you circle. The matchups are fantastic. This is typically the most fun night of the year because from top to bottom, from the north part of the state in 6A to the bottom part of the state in in 1A football you have just monster matchups it's it's hard to just say which game is the best because there are so many each one of these games has an incredible storyline from 6A to 1A tonight 6A 5A and 1A will be in the second round of the playoffs whereas 4A 3A and 2A will be in the third round of the playoffs and you've kind of whittled everything down to the the teams that really uh, you thought we're going to be here. And then there's teams that, man, I cannot believe they made it this far. Starvel <laughs> is one of those teams. Starvel was, they had like a... You were a doubter. You I were was a doubter. doubter Will. They had a very small percentage of a chance to make the playoffs. They ended up making the playoffs. And then they go on the road last week. They beat South Haven, a team that was undefeated. They won by like 20 points. 19 points something like that I can't remember the exact score and now they got to go on the road again they got to play at Clinton a team that beat them by seven points uh in the middle part of the season it's just the you got these kind of matchups all across the state a lot of rematches and you'll hear this said over and over again uh, throughout high school broadcast throughout the night you'll it's hard to beat a team twice in one season in high school football and we have a Three of the four six A games tonight are, are rematches. So you got Startville at Clinton. Okay. Uh, the other game in the north is Madison Central at Tupelo. Tupelo won that game Ooh. in dominating fashion last time. It was thirty four to nothing. Madison Central had negative six yards passing. That's almost difficult to do if you think about it. They had negative six yards through the air. Uh, but Madison Central, that, they were going through a little bit of a slump at that at that particular point in the season. They have really reemerged since they've added a second quarterback. Uh, but the bad news for Madison Central is that second quarterback got hurt, and so now they're back with Vic Sutton as the sole quarterback. I don't think Jake Norris is going to play tonight, or at least I, don't, I haven't heard that he will. So it's going to be uh, an interesting time in Tupelo tonight on the beautiful blue turf of the Golden Waves. They're undefeated, Tupelo is playing incredible football. They had a couple of uh, turnovers last week, but I don't even remember the final score in that game uh, last week against Lewisburg. They had really no trouble other than that. So that's your two games in the north. Starkville at Clinton, Madison Central at Tupelo. It was 42 nothing, 42 nothing. In the south part of the state in 6A, you've got Warren Central at Brandon. This is a rematch. Last, let's see, it was... The early part of the regional play schedule, Brandon went on the road and they played Warren Central. They beat Warren Central by 14 points. It was At the time, it was the closest game or one of the closest games that Brandon had played. Of course, Brandon lost a game to Oak Grove a few weeks later. And Warren Central has been playing really good football. They're 10-1. and A lot of people don't know this, but they're 10-1. and They beat Oak Grove in overtime. They uh, have played an incredibly tough schedule. I'm not saying there's going to be an upset here, but it makes for an incredibly good game. Warren Central at Brandon, and then finally, you've got Oak Grove and Ocean Springs. This is a rematch from last year, when Oak Grove, when excuse me, when Ocean Springs was undefeated. Bray Hubbard yeah. and those guys were rolling along, and Oak Grove beat them in the second round of the playoffs. So, and so now Will, they find themselves in the same position tonight. Yes, yeah, so,
3: so this is one of those storylines that we've talked about throughout the course of the year, right, where we talk about high school football on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And here's an opportunity for Ocean Springs to kind of poke a hole in history, right? If they, can, if they can get the win over Oak Grove, then we're talking about advancing to a South State title game. So still a couple of wins away. There's a lot of work still to be
2: done, but they've got that opportunity for 6A football on the coast. Because every other classification does pretty well on the coast, but it's 6A football in particular that has struggled on the coast. Because in like 5A, you've got Picayune, who is undefeated. They are the defending 5A state champs. Tonight, they'll host West Jones. Picayune, kind of the M.O. on them is that they are going to run the ball, they're going to run it often, and no one has really stopped them. No one has – maybe one or two teams have somewhat slowed them down – but on the other side of the football, they've got such a good defense that they only need to score once or twice. They've only allowed, I think is the only team to put over 20-something points on the board against them this season. They wow. have an incredibly good defense that nobody talks about, Pickhune does. And they're going to be facing a team in West Jones tonight who's known for really good defense. So can West Jones's offense score some points against uh, Pickhune tonight? That'll be the question. And then Van Cleve at Gaucher, the top rusher in the state, John Peterson going up against the top passer in the state, Caden Irving of Gaucher. So this is this is another rematch, by the way. An incredibly good game. Callaway at Vicksburg, two of the best defenses in the state facing off against each other. And then Neshoba Central traveling to West Point. This is the same position these two teams were in last year. Neshoba Central lost that game last year. West Point, they started 0-2. Everybody kind of freaked out and said, oh, the dynasty's over. We're moving on. Well, they've Quietly won nine games in a row now, and they're averaging <laughs> 350 yards rushing per game. It's it's pretty incredible.
3: And, and if you made me bet, will West Point or will West Point not be in the state championship game, I probably would bet that, yeah, you know what, it's
2: all said and done, they will. But again, a lot of work to be done for West Point. Six state championship games in a row. They won four state titles in a row. Last year they lost to Picayune, which was an incredible game. Um, you know, a lot of people in the know are kind of you know rooting for West Point at Pickyune or West Point against Picayune in the state championship game once again. But it is really just so up in the air. You take a team like Gaucher that no one was talking about early in the year, who has all of a sudden with Caden Irving at quarterback has just exploded. They are scoring points left and right. They have two losses on the season. They lost the first game of the year, I think, in overtime, and then they lost. To Picayune by seven points at Pickyune. that game could have gone either way. Um, that's a that's a dark horse right there. And then you've got Vicksburg, a team that has maybe the best defense in all of 5A. Uh, they have two losses on the season, but those are the first two games of the year against 6A teams. So it's really it really is up in the air in 5A. Although Pickyune is is Probably the favorite. If any one of these teams won the state championship in 5A, I wouldn't be surprised.
3: We're going to talk more about 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A uh, after the break as well. But, Will, I've got one of these games circled in 4A. You tell me if I'm circling the wrong game. But I'm looking at that matchup between Itawamba AHS, and Houston tonight in the north half of the state in 4A and going, ooh,
2: ooh, sign me up for that. Houston has been playing football since 1930, and this is the best team they've ever fielded. Wow. Okay. And they're probably the underdog in this game. It tells you how good Ittawamba AHS is, but it's on the road. It's at Houston. It's going to be in Chickasaw County. Ittawamba AHS has this kid by the name of Isaac Smith, who is just such an, he's like all around as good as you could possibly get. He's an incredible running back. He's an incredible defensive player. Um, he's a great wide receiver. He had like 170 yards two games ago uh, receiving. He's also the team's punter. He's really good at that, and I think he has like a 4.0 GPA. The kid – I mean, I don't know what the kid can do wrong. If somebody recruit this kid uh, – I think his dad played at Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I can't remember his name. But Isaac Smith of Itawamba HS, 12-0, and an incredibly good team. Um, I think that would be – 4A this year is my favorite classification. Each year sure. I kind of pick a classification that – is my most favorite 4A this year is my favorite one because any one of these teams in 4A that's still alive could definitely win the state championship and I would not be surprised. You've also got Lewisville at Caledonia. This is a rematch from last year. I didn't expect Caledonia to be here. Last year Caledonia had their best team in school history, but Lewisville put them out of uh in this round of the playoffs. Well, Louisville and Caledonia are back again. Lewisville, of course, 4A powerhouse, one of the best teams in the end. Entire state as far as high school football history is concerned, and this will be a really good game tonight. All right, we're going to look at three A, two A, and one A when we
3: come back. Will East, our high school football guru, we remind you you've got the high school football scoreboard show for Mississippi Farm Bureau coming your way tonight, ten o'clock until eleven thirty. Will and the gang will have reaction from all of the games across the state of Mississippi. This is Sports Talk in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You know I put away.
5: to draft me, I earned a
0: college degree. are not so bad. But then I got now back to Sports Talk, Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now back to Sports Talk, Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. <laughs> On Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv thanks for being with us you want to be a part of the conversation you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395 right now though the conversation is about high school football will east with us in studio x in our supertalk mississippi global headquarters we talked about six A, five A, four A. What about the lower three classifications? Three A, two A, one A. Well, I remember all the way back in week one, us taking a keen look at the Amory Panthers.
2: And we look up here and you got Amory still alive. Yep. Uh Amory is still alive. They are hosting Winona tonight, a really good Winona team, ten and one. Amory the the MO on them is uh, Rufus French's son. Um I think it's Charleston French, who's the running back and punt returner there, and kickoff returner, who's just an incredible player. And Amory is on one of those 90s type runs that they used to make in those, you know, the mid to late 90s. Um, And right now, if you're looking at things, I would say they're the team to beat in the north part of 3A steel. But Noxabee County, who's hosting Kossuth tonight, I never really count Noxubee County out of anything until they're actually out of it. They're just one of those teams that, you look at their record, you go 8-4, and four. well, everybody else is either undefeated or they only have one loss, but Noxubee County plays a really tough early part of the schedule. They play West Point, typically. They'll play Starkville, typically. They'll play Louisville, obviously, in the Toothpick Bowl. And they're just a team that, that's that's built for this, this part of the year. They are always an incredibly, incredibly talented defense and... Uh, uh, just a team that, that's that's tough to beat at home, and that's where they are tonight as they host Kasuth. And in the south part, you've got a yeah. team that really shouldn't be here. Wesson should not be here. They're one of those teams that you don't get many upsets in the first round of the uh, 3A playoffs. Well, we had one. Wesson won. They beat Union last week. That was a huge upset. So they got two upsets in a row. But tonight, Wesson, the Cobras, by the way, they have to go on the road and play Raleigh, who... Raleigh is the favorite in 3A South now. Raleigh is the team with centering Perkins. They are 11-1. That one loss was against MRA on the road. And Raleigh is just an incredibly tough football team. The Perkins, he's a guy who can rush for 200 yards and then turn around, and uh, you'll throw a pick-six to him. That's the type of player that he is, and that's the type of rough-and-tumble, old-school type team that Raleigh is. They're not gonna throw the ball at all. They don't have to really because Sunterine Perkins and crew will just run it down your throat. And then the other game that you have that's going a little bit under the radar is Hazelhurst at McGee. Hazelhurst spent the majority of the season undefeated they're eleven and one now because that one loss was to Raleigh, and then you've got McGee on the other side, um, who's had a, a really good season. I was not expecting them to be as far as they are right now. They're eight and four, so three A is looking really good. Three A is a classification where I would say Raleigh and Amory, at the beginning of the season, if you'd have told me those two teams would be in it, I would not be surprised. I am a little bit surprised that Hazelhurst and McGee are still here. Um, I'm certainly surprised that Wesson is still in it. Uh, they've got a tough, tough road um, tonight road trip tonight as they go to Raleigh. In 2A, kind of the thing that stands out in 2A is Scott Central at Philadelphia. Scott Central is the defending 2A state champ there. They're 10-2. and They kind of had a rough part of the middle of the season, but since then they've done really well. The other game that really stands out to me is you pour at Northside. Northside's a new team. A lot of people don't even know who Northside is, but Northside <laughs> was formed through consolidation a few years ago, and last week... They beat Baldwin. Baldwin, I think, had the most had scored the most points in all of Mississippi high school football, and Northside beat him. I could not believe that they won that game. Well, tonight they're going to host Eupora, who's ten and two, and then the other games you've got you have got Choctaw County at Charleston, and then Lake at Velma Jackson. So that's kind of a look. And then of course we got one A uh, second round one A action, and really the game to to focus on for me is Taylorsville at Hamilton. So Taylorsville, one of the most successful high school football programs in Mississippi high school football history, used to be a 2A school. Now they're a 1A school. They're 8 and 4 this year. They're playing at Hamilton. Hamilton has this kid by the name of Kaiser Werner, which sounds like a supervillain name. <laughs> and he's Next got Marvel series. Yeah. He's got like 31 touchdowns this year. He was at one point the leading rusher in the state. I think he's since been surpassed, but he's like top three right now. And he's a sophomore. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's really incredible, the, the job that Hamilton Hamilton's undefeated, the, the job that they've done. You've also got Simmons at Biggersville. V- Simmons might get upset in this game at Biggersville. Biggersville's undefeated. I'm, I'm calling for an upset. So there you go. All right. We will look forward to it, and you'll have the full recap coming up tonight.
3: Ten to eleven thirty, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company Scoreboard Show. What year is this for that show? Twenty seven,
2: twenty eight. I don't know. It legally can drink and rent a car now. So there you go. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Thanks, Will. All right, Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you. Oh,
0: The Grove and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk, Mississippi. On Super Talk, Mississippi. <laughs>
4: The four o'clock
3: hour with you. Two hours left on this Friday afternoon sports talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad is out today. I'm sad. He's sad. Well, I don't know if he is or not, but he's missing a Food Friday. We got that coming up in the five o'clock hour. Speaking of Food Friday, you got to get your picks in on the Polk's Pick Six. You only have this week and next week, and next week is going to be abbreviated, right? You're going to have to kind of change your plans and get it done earlier, because of course we are going to include the Egg Bowl and the Polk's Pick Six next week. So Polk's uh, SuperTalk.fm slash Polk's, that's where you go. Six games on there, kind of some fun games this week, right? So you got Ole Miss, Arkansas in there. Uh, you got Southern Miss and their game uh, in there. Against South Alabama. You got Jackson State Alcorn State is one of the games you got to pick this week. Couple of games from the Pac Twelve. A little Big Twelve action in there, so we're kind of spreading things out all over the country. So be sure to get your picks in. It's free and it gives you a chance to win a six-pack of Polk's meat products shipped directly to your door. It's free. Doesn't cost a thing. Doesn't take but like a minute. Supertalk.fm slash polks. If, uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. State fans, this is for you. I want to hear from you on this. Again, somebody ask what the link is. Supertalk.fm slash polks. If you want to get in the contest, it is free. Uh, give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business. Cspire.com slash business coming to you from the... Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com for information on everything happening at Pearl River Resort. Bradley and Marietta says, I was lucky enough to win one of those. The meat is awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bradley, for listening, for participating, and congratulations on winning. And, uh, yeah, we concur.
4: It is just spectacular. So, we got a text, by the way, and and there is hyperbole in my take on this, but... I think that I'm onto something here. So he asked if there's any truth to the Dabo Sweeney to Auburn stuff. And enough people, like. Hey, hey, by the way, he phrased it
3: any truth to Dabo interviewing at Auburn? No, yeah. Dabo will not be interviewing for anything.
4: But carry on. I mean, there are people that think that coaches, like, sit down and have, like,. Established coaches have like formal interviews on the campus of the school, and that never goes down like that. But enough people, reputable people, have reported that Dabo's representation in in Auburn have spoken in one way or another to make you believe that maybe that happened. And like we said last week or two weeks ago, you'd be surprised how often the representatives of coaches talk to open jobs even if they have no intention of taking that job. happens a lot. Mm -hmm. But if Dabo Sweeney were to leave Clemson for Auburn, you might as well go ahead and close the doors on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Just shut it down. Because I I don't think that that is recoverable as a league, considering where they are in television contract and stuff like that. If Dabo leaves Clemson, the best program in the ACC by a long shot for Auburn, who's not even the best program in their own state, that will speak terribly on the ACC. You would understand why, though, Dabo might consider it. I I do, because the, the ACC, I mean, we've talked about this so much, right, with where that conference is headed financially. They're a sinking ship. That is exactly what the ACC is right now, despite what people over there want to argue, that conference is a sinking ship compared to their Big Ten and SEC counterparts. Sinking ship. He'd be getting off of it. Jumping off. That would be such an indictment on that league. Because he's got it made at Clemson. And wanting to get out of there tells you all you need to know about what he thinks the future of that job in that league is. Yeah. Which is... No, my I. I... I agree with that, because
3: it's it's a really good situation. It's a zero-pressure situation. He's delivered two national championships. Even in the last two years when Clemson has been down, it was a 10-win season a year ago, and they're in the top ten in the country this year, and they're playing for the ACC title again this year in what could be a really entertaining game against North Carolina coming up here in a couple of weeks in Charlotte. So, yes, I mean... I've talked to some people, and they're like, I don't believe it. Don't don't think it's happening. No, no, it's not happening. And yet it's just not as far-fetched if you really break it down as maybe the immediate dismissals would lead you to believe that it is. So I guess we'll wait and see on that. I mentioned a second ago, State fans, I want to hear from you on this because I don't think this is a hot take. I don't think. Maybe you disagree. Um, Mississippi State did its uniform reveal earlier today. Just before lunchtime today, they uh, they did the uniform tweet from the Hale State football Twitter account, flipped the script, and they used a nice little font for, uh, for script. And then they've got the video. So the maroon jersey with the white and gray, the white-gray-white white, side shoulder stripe, I assume that there are white pants down below. You actually can't see the pants, so I don't know if it's white pants or gray pants. Either way, I'm fine with it. And a glossy maroon helmet, white face mask with the script state logo on the side. So here's the hot take. It's Mississippi State's best uniform, and it's not even close. I don't even know that that's like a warm take. I'm just telling you, of the uniform combinations that Mississippi State has, and in my opinion, and and, and it means absolutely nothing, and it doesn't matter, but of all the uniform combinations that I've seen Mississippi State wear, this is the best. And I don't even think there's a close second. Now, they did the white helmet with the maroon State script on the side, and that looks good. I think this looks great. And it looks great with the maroon jersey, I think you can do either uniform. I I kind of... Just personal preference here. I kind of prefer the white pants with the maroon jerseys and then the gray pants when they wear the white jerseys. That's just me. The only tweak that I would make to this uniform, and I'm not sure exactly how I would tweak it, is the big banner Mississippi State like at the collarbone. Or... Just above the bosoms. It's too big and too wide and too Microsoft Word art clip party.
4: Yeah, the the logo stinks. I, I I'm sorry, the good people at Mississippi State, you know I love you. That logo stinks. Get it off your jerseys. It is a it looks better on the basketball ones than it does football. It does. Maybe if you shrink it a little bit, it's 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 better. Get rid of it. Get you have got marks and logos that you have already used that look better than that. The helmets are phenomenal. I liked the the white one better than the maroon one, but both of them, the script state looks outstanding. I mean, that's a really freaking good-looking helmet right there that you're wearing. Get that logo off the chest of the jersey, and now you're really cooking with gas. And again, I don't know exactly
3: how I would modify the chest of the jersey. because, You know, you could go nothing there. It could be blank, and that would be okay. You might just an inch or two move the number up so that there's not as much blank space right there. I, I don't know. I'm being whatever. I don't. There's a lot of options there. I mean, you could replicate the state script that's on the helmet there on the chest in a much smaller font. I guess
4: I don't love that. Um, But, but there's options, and I've seen too many people say, "Well." Other I know schools somebody, use... by
3: the way, Borky is going to say, put the M over S baseball cap logo. I don't think that blends there. No, I mean, I love the logo. I don't think it. Wor- I don't think you introduce that logo
4: in that location yeah. and have it make sense. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. I don't think baseball should have anything exclusive uh, when football is the thing that writes everybody else's paychecks. Uh, but I've seen enough people say, well, you know, other schools are known as state, and we're not state. You are in the SEC. You're the only quote-unquote state in the SEC. Yes, Michigan State uses state on their basketball and football jerseys and stuff, and they go by that. You have Louisiana State, but they are LSU. They are LSU. They are not state anything. You are the only state, air quotes, in the SEC. So just own it. It's a good mark. It's unique to you. Looks really nice. It's clean. Run with it. And it looks like the school is, by the way. They're using Uh, that state everywhere. C Spire text
3: line, Dale from the Delta, block state across the chest is the way to go. Eh, I don't know. He says, this this best look is the helmet with maroon top with no gray accents on the top or the bottom. I kind of like the gray in there. I think it's good. Uh, Brandon Burnsville, it's the combo. And they should just put state on the jersey. LOL, who says bosoms anymore, RC? Well, clearly I do. We'll be back.
0: believe what I'm hearing this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi
3: Rolling on with you on a fight song Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Bruce Marshall will join us in the next segment on the Farm Bureau guest line. Bruce from the Gold Sheet will get some of his winners going into the weekend. It's a food Friday. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour as well. But right now we go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Brandon Marcello joins us right now. Covers college football and kind of specializes in the SEC for 24-7 sports. And, uh, Brandon, I appreciate you uh, jumping on and spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. It's uh, It's been a week. It's been a couple of weeks. And the next eight to ten days are going to be absolutely crazy as we come to the end of the season and the coaching carousel gets going full tilt.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a crazier coaching carousel as far as assistant coaches moving than it was last year. I'm not so sure about head coaches moving around. We had 29 head coaches on the FBS level make moves, which is the second most in modern history here. And so I think it's going to be substantially less. I think it's very clear that that's the case. But we have a lot of assistant coaches moving here in this off season. One, some just like leaving the business altogether. From some people I've been talking to and in others, I think we're we're getting to a point here where there's gonna be some turnover for some coaches, especially some big gigs like Alabama for example, where you're gonna see some turnover that isn't necessarily voluntary as we've seen in the past, where you might actually see some firings on staffs.
3: Well, and you know the other piece of this that is going to be absolute chaos is the transfer portal. there are people that are saying that the transfer portal on December fifth when it opens is going to be like nothing we have ever seen or maybe could have ever even imagined.
1: yeah, you're exactly right and it's because of those new windows that we've got in place and <clears throat> there's a lot of talking behind the scenes. I've talked to several people, including some you know that work for us here at twenty four seven sports who are close to closer to these kids and you know, there's a lot of backdoor dealing going on with NIL situations and people kind of setting things up and kind of putting their ducks in a row. So when they do enter the portal in December, they've got a place one lined up, but they also know, one, how much money they're going to make and exactly where they're going. And There's not going to be necessarily a recruiting process during that window. And as you said, it's going to be a mass exodus, but also some some names right now that I think that might end up surprising us uh, as far as, you know, big names, maybe going from school to school. I haven't heard anything in particular, but I keep being told to brace myself, so we'll see.
3: We'll see how it plays out. Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. So let's talk about what has been the biggest story, not just in the state of Mississippi, but the state of Alabama this week, the last couple of weeks, all the movement, um... John Cohen gets hired as well. Let's see. Brian Harson gets fired at Auburn. John Cohen gets hired as AD at Auburn. Lane Kiffin's name has been floating around even before Brian Harson was um, uh, was let go as a potential possibility. There, you and others have reported that he is Auburn's number one candidate. We'll get to the details of that in a second, but I do want to go back and, and ask you about something that you tweeted on Saturday. It was it was either Saturday night or Sunday morning. So after Ole Miss loses to Alabama, 30-24, you, you tweeted a, a clip from the post-game press conference video, and you asked the question as to whether or not Lane Kiffin has hit his ceiling at Ole Miss, tell me more about that. Why, why was that the question that came to mind for you based on that particular part of the press conference? Yeah,
1: when he was talking the way he was, um, he's obviously frustrated, and, and, and the way the question was phrased, it almost you know, and I understand where Lane's coming from. Of you know, I'm not here for uh, to you know play. Oh, the we only lost by this much, or wow, my player did this. Well, we didn't win how, how we can build off that he was he just wants to win he came here to win and so i asked that question has he hit the ceiling because at old miss the history has shown us that one it's just very difficult to one contend for the sec west they've never been to the sec championship game since the conference uh went to divisions and expanded and went, and created a uh, championship game um not won a national championship here in modern history And it's very difficult to have back-to-back 10-win seasons. And this year, I think they're going to get that done under Kiffin. I think they're going to do that with the win Saturday against Arkansas and then again in the Egg Bowl next week on Thanksgiving night. But I do think it's a fair question based off of the past. Now, if there is a coach out there that can break through that ceiling, and when I talk about ceiling, I talk about a ceiling that just has been there under every coach that's been there at Ole Miss. If he can break through it, it would be him because he has shown here in a very short amount of time that he can do things at Old Miss that have never been done. But the question is 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 it easier to do that at a place like Auburn or Florida than it is at Old Miss? And I think if we're looking at it from a you know an objective standpoint, history shows us that, yes, it would be easier. But again, that doesn't mean he can't get it done there at Ole Miss. And as I said, if anybody's gonna do it, he has shown that he's gonna he could potentially be the one, and that's why his name has been coming up for jobs like the uh, the Auburn gig this year.
3: Yeah, I would agree with you on the history piece of it, but I would maybe push back on the question of has he hit a ceiling when it's coming immediately after a game in which they were one play away from winning that game. Like, like I mean clearly, there's, win, there's more what,
1: than, that was his whole thing. I'm not here to lose. I'm here to Yeah, but it was in response to, to a question
3: about. about the stats that Quinshawn Judkins had run up. I mean, it wasn't so much about, I'm not here to lose. It was, I don't give a bleep about how many yards we rushed for, we came here to win, and we didn't get it done. And I guess the point I would say is, if you're a play away from getting it done, then clearly the, season, the ceiling is not losing that game, right?
1: No, it's not. Man. He just said that. What I'm telling you, and he hasn't won that game. He hasn't beaten Alabama yet. Right. And so the question is is can he do it? Yeah, he can. I think he can. He has shown that he's been close to it, and I think he used that question as an opportunity to say, "Hey, I'm not here to play like here's your consolation gift." Yes. You know, Q is an amazing player, and I want to talk him up, but I'm not going to be like, "Oh man, yeah, we were he's so great and everything and forget the result of this game." I think he was using that as a as a as a standard there of saying, "Hey, listen, that's not good enough. You know, right. being great's not good enough. I want to be beyond that. And the question I think that everybody from the outside looking in is, is that can you do that at Ole Miss? I, you know, listen, I think he can. I think he can break through there and he probably will break through there if he ends up staying at Ole Miss. But I think that it is fair to ask, you know, is it easier to do it somewhere else where they've, they've shown, even when they've had really low, low years. In a place like Florida, or a place like Auburn, that they can have those years where they break through and contend for a national championship.
3: Yeah. Right, well, we've seen it at Auburn, right? They won one in ten with Cam Newton. They they played yeah. for another one in twenty twelve, but there have also been some really low lows since then. So, as we push forward, you you reported that um, that Lane Kiffin is the number one candidate for Auburn. Lots of other people have, and yet, at least at this point, he does not have an offer from Auburn. Is that coming? and when do you think that is coming and 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 maybe the other piece of that question brandon is what what is the dynamic because i think the unknown in this auburn thing is the john cohen piece right because we've never seen him hire a coach in auburn yes it's
1: that but i can tell you that it's that lane kiffin is the number one target there they've been doing everything around the periphery around him to try and prepare so that when they do talk to him if they if if lane kiffin agrees to sit down and talk to them that here's what we're going to provide you, this is what we, this is why you would want the job for us or whatever and all that. But they've also been preparing for other candidates and other people that they're wanting to approach. What I can't tell you is who all those people would be other than Hugh Freeze being on that list, but I don't know where he is, whether it's two or three or four, but he is on that list. Kiffin, though, is number one. So I think that you won't hear any of that talk really start to ramp up until obviously after the Egg Bowl, so after the regular season. But they've been doing their work around, as I would say, around Lane Kiffin and trying to figure out how to best go about trying to get him to convince him to, to come to Auburn and what it would take. Now, during those conversations, it may become very clear. We just don't know. We don't know how Lane feels. And for that matter, I don't know how John Cohen feels or anybody knows how he feels or how they'll react if they even start conversations, if they do, and it's like, well, I don't know about this and we don't know about that. And then all of a sudden it's just like, you know what? We're, we're going to move on. Or Lane will say, I'm just moving on. But I, I think it's just going to be a lot of talk as it has been for the last week or so. But I think we'll know, I mean, pretty quickly here <clears throat> after that egg bowl, whether things are going to be getting pretty serious there. Because uh, as I said, I think Auburn's had a lot of time to do their research and do everything to prepare for this. And then also. Lane Kiffin's people have very much been, you know, in the loop of what what could potentially go down.
3: Egg Bowl coming up in six days, Iron Bowl in eight days, Brandon Marcello. Thanks, my friend. Uh, Good to catch up with you. Brandon Marcello from the uh, 24-7 Sports Network covers college football, especially in the SEC. It's going to be a wild week or two coming up. Thanks, Brandon.
1: All right. Thanks, Richard.
3: Brandon Marcello joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll take a timeout. Bruce Marshall will join us next. Bruce from the Gold Sheet and GoldSheet.com. We'll get some winners from him looking at the games that are happening this weekend. His thoughts on Ole Miss Arkansas, maybe on USC, UCLA, a couple of other games that are out there that that grab the attention this week as well. This is Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Sports Talk, Mississippi. Sports Talk, Mississippi. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir.
3: Afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Bruce Marshall, Farm Bureau guest line. Bruce, Friday afternoon, you getting geared up for South Florida and Tulsa tonight? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, they
5: asked
3: me to coach South
5: Florida, but I declined. Uh, yeah. So, uh, there you go. Uh, but. Actually I did this other one tonight, San Diego State, uh I'm telling you, if you think South Florida's bad, where do you see New Mexico? Um mm-hmm. and they can't score at all. Uh so i I think San Diego State is actually a pretty good spot tonight. I don't know if Davis Byrne is playing for Tulsa tonight. If he if he if he is, I think they'll beat South Florida but if they have to go out to uh, the backup I'm not sure they're're they're the side, but San Diego State uh, lay the points tonight in Albuquerque.
3: You know my only lean on this, and it would be because I've seen both of these teams in person multiple times this year, and neither of them are very good. I just don't see how South Florida is going to handle twenty seven degrees at kickoff tonight that is uh, for for a team that's winless in the conference and one and nine overall, that feels like a miserable setup
5: it does, and uh, that whole thing is is has gone bad, and yeah, I got to Tulsa and uh, uh, yeah, it can get colder. I was one of the few times I was ever there was in December one year, and it was it, it snowed overnight, and it was frigid in, yeah. in the morning. So it can be. I know it can get nasty up there. And listen, if the weather was warm, I wouldn't want South Florida. Now my only. Reservation is yeah, like you say, Tulsa has gone uh, sort of uh, the other way, and I'm you know Philip Montgomery's job might be on the line here, so yeah, uh, I, I think it's it's a much bigger game for for Tulsa in that regard. So if I had to do something there, I'd probably go that way. It's just neither of these two are my favorites right now.
3: Another place that it is going to be cold is Fayetteville, Arkansas. Ole Miss and Arkansas tomorrow night, about 28, uh, maybe 32 degrees at kickoff and then working down into the mid-20s by the time it's all said and done. Ole Miss is a two-point favorite. Uh, it sounds like K.J. Jefferson is probably going to play in this game. It does not sound like he's 100% healthy. I would worry about that cold and that hard field with the clavicle shoulder issue. Ole Miss coming off a an emotional, heartbreaking loss to Alabama last week, no longer in contention for the SEC title game. Uh, Arkansas's defense has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde, at least in terms of getting pressure or not getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. What do you see here, Bruce? All
2: good
3: questions. Very
5: perplexing. The only thing I know for sure is all those uh, Learfield guys I saw at the pregame last week in the Grove were not thrilled to have to go up to Fayetteville with it being as cool <laughs> in late November. Um, I, the thing is that what bothers me, if if I don't know for sure about Jefferson, and I know they, they say he's probably going to play, but Sam Pittman said that a couple times this year, and then, poof, yeah. game starts and there he's not in there. Uh, he takes his style of play is just so uh, rugged. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a you know a Tebow style sort of. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't run away from people; He tries to run him over. And by this stage of the season, he's taken a lot of hits. The backups really struggled. Hornsby was bad last week. They Had to go to Fortin, who played in the Mississippi State game earlier. Uh, he at least gave him a little bit of uh, an aerial diversion there. It was the best game their defense played all year last week, and they had Jaden Daniels kind of uh, confused. Um, but this has gone kind of sideways for Arkansas. And it, it's just if Ole Miss, the ground game there, and he stayed Now I, Lane still runs tempo, but this offense looks more like a Gus Malzahn offense, and watch it in person, than the old Norm Chow offenses that Lane grew up with. They can run like heck, and I think that'll serve them well here. So uh twenty four seventeen Ole Miss, uh, cold up there, Jefferson's status makes me very leery to recommend Arkansas.
3: Would would that be a, a strong nod to the under as well with that with that score prediction a, a total that's sitting at what sixty five?
5: Yes, it would because uh, the games that Jefferson has missed this year, mm-hmm. uh, Arkansas's offense has really struggled, and the, the the chance he might miss again tomorrow. The fact it's going to be a lot of running for Ole Miss, which it is every week. Um, I think that could go under for sure. Yeah.
3: Bruce, we've been talking long enough that, that I generally speaking get the impression that you don't gravitate to big favorite numbers. Like that's just maybe not your favorite way to go. I'm curious if you see value in either Georgia laying 22.5 at Kentucky or Tennessee laying 22 as a road favorite in Columbia, South Carolina.
5: A little more for Tennessee, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I think they've got more uh they could gain more by putting up a big score. And you know, they they kept scoring last week against Missouri and 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 Heifel wasn't pulling off the accelerator any uh because I think they need these wins to impress the pollsters because it's gonna be nip and tuck for them if they can finish with one loss if they're gonna get be invited into the into the playoff and they would of course and for them they'd need Georgia I think to keep winning to do that. Yeah. Uh and, and I don't think South Carolina I think they are beatable there. We saw what Georgia did to them earlier this year. I think Tennessee could do the same. I don't know that Georgia's going to have that easy a time tomorrow, and I feel reluctant because I've been wrong on Georgia the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought they'd have a little trouble in Starkville last week, and they didn't. But the last couple of years, the last three years, I mean, Kentucky has played them pretty darn tough. And last year, I mean, it wasn't a – you know they snuck in there right at the end to cover the spread, but that's what happens when you're – you know, plus uh, all those, you know, three touchdowns or more. I don't think Will Levis is 100, is uh, percent and I think he has been since he had that turf toe earlier in the year. But the styles here just suggest it's sort of a grinder. So I actually think Tennessee. I would rather lay it with the Vols tomorrow than with Georgia.
3: Visiting with Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. Bruce, tell people where they can get your picks.
5: Thanks, Rich. Check us out online, GoldSheet.com. Hey, we're doing this basketball thing every day now, so I'm writing these college games up every night. And, of course, the football comes up every Tuesday each week. goldsheet.com my picks there, also Vegas Insider and DonBest.com.
3: I want to move outside the SEC because there just aren't that many interesting games this weekend in the SEC. How about in the shadows of the San Gabriel Mountains at the Rose Bowl? Southern Cal, UCLA, red jerseys and UCLA blue jerseys. Southern Cal is a favorite. They've they've only played one good team this year, in my view, and they lost that game on the road to Utah. UCLA, I think, is a good team. How does this one go?
5: Good points. And, uh, yeah, big for uh, me, because uh, the, the first one of these games I actually went to is 1970, which I remember like yesterday. Um, but I remember these games from back in the 60s. Um, you're right about the schedule here for USC. Think about this. I, Oregon State was probably a good win. and They were very lucky to win that. But yeah. uh, of the four other teams, I mean, UCLA, Oregon, um, uh, Utah, and Washington, of those four top tier teams in the pack, like you said, they've only played one of them thus far, Utah, and they lost. It was close, but they lost. UCLA's beaten Utah, beaten Washington. These teams mirror each other a lot. The defenses are suspect. Uh, Caleb Williams and, and DTR can cancel each other out. I think the difference might be. UCLA has more of a jarring running game than SC, which is very finesse with what it does, and that's a Lincoln-Riley offense. Also, Travis Dye is out. I don't know if that's that big of a negative for SC because they have some other running backs, but uh, UCLA's physical style, and, and they really have bullied SC. They've moved on him on the ground the last couple of years. Also, one other note, last year, uh, this game went 95 points. The year before, 81. The year Ooh. before that, 87. So, when you see a total in the mid-70s in this game, Don't be scared of it. You can go over. This is the Pac-12 equivalent of Houston SMU. So I think UCLA gets them, though. I don't think they should be an underdog at home. 47-42, wild shootout, Uh, a lot of points. Don't be afraid of the over. Uh, But I think UCLA wins.
3: 47-42, 91 combined points predicted by Bruce Marshall under the lights at the Rose Bowl. Uh, that is a uh, that's one worth flipping to in the the commercial breaks of Ole Miss Arkansas if you're locked in on that game. Hey, let's squeeze one more in. Also on the West Coast, Utah and Oregon up in Eugene, Oregon, with the disappointment uh, of losing last week. They're now eight and two. Utah is eight and two. Neither of these teams in, con- in contention for the college football playoff, but both in contention for the Pac-12 championship game.
5: Yeah, the winner here will be in, in one of the spots, and probably SCUCLA UCLA, in the other. Um, yeah. But we don't know about Bo Nix's status. And uh, we've been hearing up, you know, he was in and out in the fourth quarter last week. We've heard, you know, they've been holding him out of practice this week, and people up there weren't sure he's going to play. And that's why the line has slipped a little bit. Utah, uh, last I checked, was favored after being a slight dog. We know what happened at the end of last year. Utah got him twice uh when Creedeball is getting ready to leave they got him twice big uh but if Nix doesn't play there is such a drop off uh down after him that makes me very reluctant to think Oregon can gain the revenge and i think Utah probably gets them although Utah has lost on the road Florida UCLA so they don't they're not the same team away from Salt Lake City as they are at home but if Nix is a question mark i can't go with uh, Oregon here so uh 35 30. Uh, Utah, but it's everything is so dependent upon Knicks that makes just it stay a very, away. very tough call.
3: Pr- probably just stay away on that one?
5: I think so, just because there's still no word definitively on Knicks, so I, I just too okay. clear. All
3: right, one game you love on the way out the door. We've got that 20 seconds left.
5: Uh, Mountain West, under the total, Colorado State Air Force, Colorado State under, 9-1 and one this year. Colorado State, lowest scoring team in the country, 12.9 per game. Colorado State has not scored more than 19 points in the game all year. Looks like an under to me. So CSU and Air Force under 42 tomorrow in
3: Colorado Springs. Bruce, thanks as always for your time. Great catching up, my friend.
5: Okay, take care. Good weekend, Rich.
3: Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. You can visit him at goldsheet.com. He is always fun to visit with. More coming up with you on Sports Talk Mississippi.
5: my
3: last confession well father do you have the rest of the week let's get started
0: sports talk mississippi sports talk mississippi do hey, you ever get so excited that you just can't wait yes. sports talk mississippi covering your mississippi team i've been waiting my whole life for this don't touch that dial here on super talk mississippi
3: c text line 601-879-4395. Alongside Michael Borkey, Richard Cross with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us on this Friday afternoon. A little over an hour left to go as we roll with you into the weekend. Just got online where you at today, Richard. Looks like another hotel room. Yes, yes, it is. Just, just another courtyard by Marriott somewhere out there. Uh, I am in Greenville, North Carolina. I've got uh, Houston ECU tomorrow. Which, Morrie, I was, I was telling you during the break. I think it might be the best game in the American this weekend. And normally, that's not the game that I get assigned. Just candidly, as uh, the ESPN. So SMU at Tulane should have been good last night. But Tulane won by 35, so that's not really that fun of a game. South Florida at Tulsa tonight. Those two teams are a combined one and 11 in the league. Navy at UCF, eh? North Alabama at Memphis, no thanks. Cincinnati at Temple, eh? Houston at East Carolina. Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium, you know it's a good spot. They love their football here. A couple of six and four teams. Two of the most accomplished quarterbacks in the history of the American Conference squaring off. Am I selling you on this? I
4: mean, the slate's not particularly good. So, I mean, given the national slate, yeah, that's of games what I mean. Tomorrow, not, not the eight, but just in general, it's not a. And as say Dad says, they're all good. They're all good, and this one's good. There have been better.
3: There have been better. Yes. So, if you're just randomly looking for something that should be entertaining. 1 o'clock Central tomorrow, Houston and East Carolina. Don't watch it because of me. It just might be a fun football game. Yeah, Clayton Toon, who has thrown for 11,000-ish yards and is the number three passer in Houston history uh, behind... Um. Oh, what's his name? The all-time leading passer in FBS history. Keenum. Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Um. so anyway there you go uh, so yeah just another hotel room what do we got here we got uh, Ben big Delta State fan Ben says Delta State coach Todd Cooley after leading Delta State to a 10-1 and co-conference season was named coach of the year also quarterback Patrick Shegog named conference offensive player of the year for Delta State for the first time since 2012 over 2,400 yards and 21 touchdowns passing 13 rushing touchdowns 1 o'clock Saturday, Delta State host Fayette will stay in the playoffs, and the game and the video will be streamed for free. If you are interested in watching, you can do that at GoStatesman.com. It's GoStatesman.com. And Ben says, Go Statesman. A
4: great season for Delta State, Board, As always. Um, which is kind of funny, by the way. My uh, my favorite Group of five football coach spent one year at Delta State as the coach, went three and seven, and got the Charleston Southern job. Oh, yeah? Yeah, went there. It clearly did not go particularly well in year one, but then, yeah, he he took over at Charleston Southern, won at an unprecedented level there, and that was it. But, yeah, Jamie Chadwell spent one year coaching outside of that state, and it was at Delta State of all places. So uh, the entire world runs through Mississippi. The six degrees of separation – become two if you have ties to this state yeah how about this maybe the national media
3: needs to look at things differently name image and likeness 12 team playoff and the transfer portal changes everything when it comes to viewing who can play for slash compete for national championships I would edit one thing in your message And and I'm not being well-actually guy at all. I agree with everything with the exception of the last three words, the four national championships. I think it makes wide open the teams who can get into a 12-team playoff. I still think that when you have a team that has a roster built the way a Georgia team is, or an Alabama team has been, or Ohio State is, those are going to be the prohibitive favorites in any format to win the national title. And the people who say, well, you don't need to expand the playoff, would argue that's the reason that you don't need to expand the playoff. And I would say hogwash It's exactly the reason you need to expand the playoff, because you involve more teams, you involve more of the country. This game that we love so much becomes less regionalized and more nationalized, which is a good thing for college football's health overall. And those teams aren't perfect
4: either. More chances for good teams to beat them, somebody's going to at some point. At some point they will. And so compete for national championships
3: might be a stretch, at least in terms of an on-the-regular. But we've also seen evidence that sometimes... When you just get in the tournament, something magical can happen. You're healthy, another team's not. You're hot, another team's not. Think about Ohio State when they won it all a few years ago. They were dominant. They were red hot with a third string quarterback, no less. Great message on the C Spire text line.
0: What we're gonna do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi.
3: To the weekend, Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock hour, one last hour with you in this work week. Then on Monday, we will fully turn our attention to the battle for the golden egg. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Thanksgiving night, 6 o'clock kickoff, fought hemingway Stadium in Oxford. We will be in Oxford on Monday at the uh, the City Pavilion which is at the corner of Bramlett Boulevard and University Avenue. It's the old armory building that is now an outdoor pavilion, kind of open on three sides. There's an ice skating rink there. It is the kickoff of Holly Jolly Holidays. And uh, that remote broadcast is brought to you by Visit Oxford. Visit Oxford, presenting sponsor of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Looking forward to being there with you on Monday. David Kellum is going to stop by on uh, on Monday afternoon. We also are going to have a couple of high school teammates and college opponents. Um, Bo Russell and John Darnell played together in high school, and then they played on opposite sides in the Egg Bowl. 1987, 88, and 89. And uh, those two guys are going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, I I get the feeling that uh, there will be a bit of smack talk and some storytelling between the two. Borky, I'm on a group message with those guys. And um, Bo sent me a picture the other day. He's like, hey, it's my favorite Egg Bowl moment. And it is of him trying to rip John Darnell's head off. <laughs> face mask off. Bo was one of those guys that like tucked his his jersey under his pads and so he's got the stomach showing and the whole deal. So we're going to have fun with that. we got a ton of guests coming for you next week. I mentioned David Kellum is going to join us. We're going to hear from Jim Ellis next week. Neil Price is going to join us next week. Desenzo Miller is going to stop by. Going to have some other Ole Miss uh, former players with us as the week goes along. We had a blast leading up to the Egg Bowl a year ago and we're going to do that again this year, and it all gets started on Monday, uh, courtesy of Visit Oxford. You can follow them on all of their social media channels Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can be a part of the conversation this afternoon on the C Spire text line 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. Let C help you make your business the best that it can be with the authority team. For more, log on to cspire.com slash business. Reach out to them and let them help you be your best as a business. Time right now for the college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. But you and I both know that's not where you need to stop. You need to stop next at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive the F-150. The 2022s are rolling off the assembly line. The 2023s are coming out as well. Test drive one today. 45 years. F-Series has been the number one selling trucks in America. Borky, we need to make some picks. I will let you walk us through that.
4: All right, let's start with a game that is extremely low-key, but for some reason I find it fascinating. Tomorrow Mm -hmm. morning, Mm -hmm. Florida kicks off against Vanderbilt in Nashville as, I say only, a 14-point favorite. Florida got a big win last week, and guess what? So did Vanderbilt. (laughs) I heard that. So I've heard. I watched. I watched almost every snap of that game. I loved it. So 14 points. Florida minus 14, 57 and a half. Mm. I'm going to lay him with the
3: Gators. Not that I am taking anything away from Vanderbilt. I know it's going to be cold, and maybe that's not the best environment for Florida, but I actually think Florida is playing its best football season of the year, uh, uh, football of the uh, of the season. You look at their last couple of games, 41 points against Texas A&M. They did scratch for 20 in that loss to Georgia. They scored 35 against LSU, and then last week just dominated South Carolina 38-6. to I actually think Vanderbilt and South Carolina are, are fairly similar. Uh, again, the only thing that bothers me a little bit is uh, potentially the weather. Uh, it's going to be cold in Nashville, but it is a day game. I'm going to lay the 14 and take the Gators, and uh, we'll, we'll see. I might live to regret
4: that one, but I'll go with Florida. A pick. I think Vanderbilt's going to cover the 14. They're playing with reckless abandon and nothing to lose. And you're not going to give me a wrong team favorite, are you? No, no, I don't think okay. they're going to win. But I didn't think that they were okay. going to beat Kentucky either. Uh, I saw somebody call Will Levis the savior of the Detroit Lions today. Mm. Yikes! Uh, sorry uh, to those of you in Detroit. All right, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina. There's only what three games, but be- four games between SEC teams. This weekend, that's number two. Tennessee, South Carolina, six o'clock on ESPN. That's going to be a doozy. Twenty-two points in favor of the Vols.
3: Yeah, I saw everything I needed to see from both of these teams last week. South Carolina, you know, they their best running back Borky is hurt. And uh, help me with his name, Marshawn Davis. Is that right? Yeah, he's out. He he's out. That changes what South Carolina is offensively. Spencer Rattler is just a super, super average quarterback. Tennessee is going to name its number here, and that number is going to be big. They, uh, I think they will take the foot off the gas in a way that they didn't last week. I don't think that you will see Jalen Hyatt running routes up 40 with two minutes to go in the game. I don't think the same axe to grind exists between Josh Heupel and Clark Lee that existed between Josh Heupel and uh, Eli Drinkwitz. But Tennessee comfortably, they probably win it by four or five touchdowns. I'll lay the 22-and-a-half.
4: Marshawn Lloyd, by the way. Marshawn Lloyd, thank Um, you. Yeah, I agree. I think blowout city is coming. You know, this idea that Shane Beamer's team just plays really hard for him are we sure? I mean, I'm not saying they've quit or anything, but this idea that, oh, they just play up to their competition hasn't really held up this season. They've got problems, especially offensively, and Tennessee does not. 22 points, not enough. Georgia's at Kentucky. Could have been an electric environment had Kentucky not lost to Vanderbilt. I imagine there's going to be a lot of red in Lexington. George is a 22-and-a-half point favorite with an over-under of 48. Ooh. Um...
3: I mean, is this one of those Mark Stoops rally the troops game and you get a great effort? I mean... It's so different, but I remember earlier this year talking in great confidence about Mississippi State just being a better team than Kentucky. And they went, and Mississippi State played a terrible game, and Kentucky was good enough, and they won that game, and it was like, ah, we didn't see that one coming. And there's part of me that wonders if you get that performance from Kentucky again tomorrow. I, I don't... Think you do? I'm not in love with this game. I'm not in love with this number, but I am in love with Georgia. So I'm going I, if if I were playing this game, I would just stay away. But I'm not playing the game and we got to make picks, so I guess I'll lay the points with Georgia.
4: I'm I'm going to take Kentucky to cover only because of style of play. Uh, Georgia, at times, has kind of stalled offensively when not super engaged. So it's a big line. It's on the road. Kentucky really, really limits possessions for their opponents. So it feels like a dumb pick, but I'm going to go with <laughs> Kentucky plus the 22. Uh, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats yeah, the, for Michael Borke. The fourth one, line moved a little bit in the favor of Arkansas. Ole Miss minus two. Um. Ole Miss is a better
3: team than Arkansas is. Ole Miss has not won in Fayetteville since 2008. Now, since 2008, Ole Miss does have two wins over Arkansas in the state of Arkansas. Both of those games were at War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. Bad weather, at least in terms of cold, but it's not going to be raining. No particip- uh, precipitation, no wind to speak of. I think Ole Miss has a good night running the football, and I think that will open some things up in the passing game for Jackson Dart because Arkansas, I feel like the plan for Ole Miss out of the gate is going to be to establish the run, and they will be able to do that. And then off of that, they're going to be able to hit some things in the passing game and the play action. I've taken the Rebels. I think Ole Miss, when it is all said and done, wins this one by two touchdowns, and they are playing for their second consecutive 10-win season against Mississippi State on Thanksgiving night.
4: Uh, We're short on time. Ole Miss minus two. And I like the under here. 65. I don't think Ole Miss defensively is that bad. So I like the under
3: here as well. All right. Those are our picks. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's the college football fix. Food Friday presented by Polks. The last edition of this prior to Thanksgiving is coming up next.
0: back to sports talk mississippi it doesn't get any better than this on super talk mississippi <laughs>
3: Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalkmississippi and supertalktv.com. Thanks for being with us Friday afternoon. Alongside Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Hey, Dad is off. Let's grab a couple of messages quickly on the C Spire text line, 601 879 4395 in Columbus. Uh, Ole Miss might lose this game. I think Arkansas will be circling the wagons. I do think Ole Miss will win, but it's going to be a close game. I mean, does Ole Miss play anything but close games? He also says, I could see Ole Miss getting on them early and then not sc- scoring much more, kind of holding on for a win. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Hunter, I don't doubt anything in this series. I was talking with uh, with Chris Doring and Peter Burns this morning on uh, the SEC This Morning radio show, and kind of talked about that a little bit. I, I honestly hope, I don't think this is going to happen, but I hope when they announce the uh, the permanent divisions or not divisions, but the permanent opponents with whatever the scheduling model is going forward that Ole Miss Arkansas stays on the schedule. Yeah, there's history there, going back to John Vault Frank Broyles, when Arkansas was, what, part of the Southwest Conference, the Big Eight. I guess they weren't. Were they part of the Big Eight at one point? It doesn't matter. But those two teams played each other a lot in in Little Rock and Jackson and Memphis and Oxford and it, it's all over the place. And then there've been so many games, right? I mean, you go to the seven overtime game in two thousand one, Ole Miss with the the field goal to win it in twenty twelve at War Memorial, the two thousand eight game in Fayetteville when Houston Nutt was coaching Ole Miss, Bobby Petrino in his first year at Arkansas, Ole Miss wins it up there. You know, you had the 4th and Hunter Henry game with the craziness. There's just been a lot of wild games in this series, and it's been a lot of fun, and geographically it makes a lot of sense. I-, I hope that's one that hangs on. All right, time for a Food Friday presented by Polk's, polk'smeat.com. If you want to learn more about the company, you want to learn more about the products, you want to find some recipes, you can get all of that online. But don't stop online. you got to go to the grocery store or wherever you buy meat, look for that yellow and blue packaging, and remember that picky people pick Polk's. If you can't find Polk's meat products, and you probably can, but if you can't, find the manager of the meat department and tell them that you are looking for Polk's meat products. And if they don't carry them, ask them to do so. Encourage them to do so. Mississippi Company, Serving Mississippians and beyond, and just fantastic. I've told you a million times, my favorite is the Polk's Cajun Smoked Sausage. I'm going to do about six packages of that that are going on to a, uh, a sausage and cheese tray as part of uh, an appetizer on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, I mean, this would be a really, really good weekend to do a pot of jambalaya. Maybe you do some gumbo and you put some sausage in it. Whatever you do, make sure that Polk's is part of the recipe this weekend. So, Borky, we get a message that says, I made fried chicken and cheese grits. See you on Monday. Beautiful. Enjoy that tonight. Look at that. We also get this message. So we know what Richard and Haydad's Thanksgiving plans are. What about you, Borky? What is the plan for Thanksgiving this year?
4: So we're not doing anything, just the two of us. Uh, my her, her parents, my in-laws, uh, live in town, and, and we'll just be there. You know, early okay. in the day, so I can "quote unquote" work uh, that afternoon, and we are completely absolved from any responsibilities. So, nothing really. Uh, I, I smoked a turkey the last couple of years, and it was phenomenal. And I'm honestly kind of disappointed that I haven't been asked to do one for this, mm. because, man, following Malcolm Reed's recipe is it's so. Getting turkey right is easy. People overcomplicate turkey so much or just don't do a couple of extra steps that make it good. There are some people that just slap it in the oven. All right, there's, I'll just put a turkey in the oven. It'll come out dry and flavorless. It's so easy to, to make turkey good and I don't know why. It's just, it's brine and injection and you can even brine and inject and put it in the oven. It'll still come out good and flavorful and not yeah. dry. But... Brine, inject, and smoke makes a turkey good for any time of year. And I did that the last couple of years, and I, I wish they would give me a crack at it this year. But no responsibilities for us, that's okay, too. Yeah, that, that, that's not all bad. So I'm debating
3: on the brine. So I, I traditionally do not brine my turkey, but partially that's because I usually get a little bit behind, and you need to do that at least a full day in advance, if not two days in advance. It's just a salt water mix. Maybe you put some uh, some seasoning in there uh, to go along with it. If you want to do like a, a, an apple, cider, vinegar, brine, you can do that as well. Uh, you got to make sure the turkey's completely thawed, uh, obviously. I go with a little different route to accomplish the same thing. I do an overnight uh, Wesson oil and salt rub down. So I, I coat the turkey with Wesson oil and then salt it and let it sit for about 24 hours uh... i do not inject I, i've toyed with whether or not i want to do that this year but more again just kind of a little bit different process for me I, I i do get one of the big baking pans and i'm smoking it on the grill and i actually kind of treat that pan like a bathtub and i do about an inch thick of liquid that the turkey rests in and cooks in not boils in but just as where it's constantly in the liquid the whole time, and it's a mixture of apple juice, cranberry juice, a little bit of maybe lemon and lime squeezed in there, and uh, then I do kind of a citrus stuffing, if you will. I'll go oranges, apples, lemons, and limes stuffed in the cavity of the turkey. Plug an apple in the uh, in the hole. A little bit of season all on top of it. Uh, maybe a little bit of garlic mixed in, and then I smoke it overnight on the grill. And you know, just you know, at about try to get it to about 200, and just let it go for about eight to ten hours. And um, I, I've only had one catastrophe when I was taking the turkey off the grill. This was probably 15 years ago. It's first time I had done it. It was at Jane's family's house in Port Gibson when we did big Thanksgiving there. And I was cooking the turkeys, and when I was trying to move it, the turkey from the pan onto a plate to cut it it slid out of the pan and went straight to the concrete sidewalk oh no but it was so tender that all of the meat just fell off of the entire turkey cavity (laughs) and so so, everything that wasn't touching directly the concrete i was able to save and and still uh... go with uh... but i've been more
4: careful transferring it from pan to uh... cutting board since then yeah, it's a good move, although that's probably a point of pride to know that you were able to make one like that. Yeah. Yeah, silver good. linings and whatnot, spin zone, you knew how to make a really tender turkey. Not everybody can do that. Well, it was certainly good and juicy. Point and of the exercise, uh, though, is if you're if you're cooking for Thanksgiving and you think that all you do with the turkey is just slap it in the oven, you're wrong. There's, there's just a few extra steps you have to take to make it actually good without having to just pour gravy on top of it to make it edible. Uh, Just a couple things here and there is all you got to do. Brine in a five-gallon bucket, inject. I mean, all your grocery stores have the injection plus the needle that you buy in a pack for like $4. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. What you mentioned, take those extra steps so people will eat it because they like it and not because they feel like they have to because people did it, you know, years and years and years ago. All right, let's grab some
3: of your uh, some of your thoughts on cooking on the C Spire text line. Chris in Oxford says, I do a fried turkey for Thanksgiving, so I always do a practice round the week before, so that is dinner tonight. That is thinking with your head. Good thought there. I made vegetable stew with hamburger meat and stew meat along with some cornbread. I mean, does that sound perfect for a cold Friday night? With leftovers to uh, be eaten on Saturday? Yes. Yes, it does. Trey and Saltillo. Gumbo with crab meat, shrimp, redfish, and good old Polk's Cajun sausage for tomorrow. Going down tomorrow, Trey and Saltillo says. Uh, Hunter in Columbus. Sounds like he's doing the high school football thing tonight. He says, you guys are making me hungry. I'll be eating concession stand food. I have no issue with that. I am a big... Hot dog and nachos guy at ball games. So, yeah. Uh, Debbie says the Thanksgiving feast, although she's doing tonight. Ooh. She's got ribs and Cajun potato salad going tonight. Cajun shrimp potato salad. Yum. Morky, I didn't know this ever actually happened. Somebody said they had a Christmas vacation turkey one year. Like where it opens
4: up on its own? Well, probably like you cut into it and it goes, <laughs> I would be so sad.
3: Um. Do you all remember the recipe you had one time for a pork tenderloin wrapped in bacon coated with brown sugar or something like that? Borky? That
4: now, was it wasn't me, be, but it sounds great. Probably Malcolm Reed, how to, how to
3: Yeah, if you're looking for a uh, tip, that's a good place to do it. How to BBQWrite.com from our buddy Malcolm Reed. Whatever you're cooking this weekend and for Thanksgiving, be sure to include the Polks because picky people pick Polks. That is a Food Friday presented by Polks.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: There was a story that was making the rounds this morning that I'm sure grabbed your attention. The World Cup is about to begin in Qatar. Qatar, if you prefer. And uh, if you are going thirsty, it better be for uh, non-alcoholic beverages. World Cup organizers have banned the sale of alcohol in and around stadiums after last-minute talks, according to FIFA. First reported by the Times, the British newspaper, FIFA and Qatari organizers were engaged in late negotiations over whether beer would be sold at the stadiums during the tournament, which begins on Sunday. Following discussions between host country authorities and FIFA, a decision has been made to focus the sale of alcoholic beverages on the FIFA Fan Festival, other fan destinations, and licensed venues, removing the sales points of beer from Qatar's FIFA World Cup 2022 stadium perimeters. Supporters can purchase alcohol at the official fan zones during the competition,
4: but the sale of beer at the matches themselves has been a controversial topic. They moved the fan zones, by the way. That was another thing that happened earlier this week. They were around the stadium. They have moved them out of sight. It appeared an agreement was originally struck
3: to allow FIFA to permit sponsors Budweiser to sell beer at the stadiums. This was then further clarified in the build-up to the tournament after the New York Times reported that beer tents would be less visible on the grounds at the request of the host. But there was late pressure on FIFA to halt sales of alcohol at the stadiums themselves two days before Qatar kicks off the tournament against Ecuador.
4: And by the Fi- way, there's rumors circulating about Ecuadorian players getting bribed to lose that match mm. on purpose. Which wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Qatar. I mean, are you kidding me? By the way, Budweiser
3: tweeted, well, this is awkward. And then they later deleted it.
4: <laughs> I will say this. Um, not, alcohol's not the end-all be-all, right? I mean, if you can't enjoy a sporting event without alcohol, that's a you problem. However, Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. However, I, for one, am not surprised at all that Cutter is breaking a promise they made when they corruptly achieved the opportunity to host the World Cup. I mean, that that shouldn't surprise a single person in here. And what's, there's two things that really stand out to me. Uh, The last three major worldwide sporting events were hosted in Putin's Russia. China, where NBC, American media, did the, uh, ran propaganda for the Chinese government. And now Qatar, where stadiums were built. With slave labor, it's what it was, thousands of them died building the stadiums, by the way. And they were awarded it through obvious corruption. The, the sports washing thing is, I, I guess, you know, it's not new. I understand why it happens. It is kind of shocking, though, that we sent American athletes there and a bunch of people from this country are going to be there And if they consume alcohol outside of a hidden zone, they're going to prison. If they engage in adult relations, they go to prison. And it's just, it's okay. Eh, Whatever. I was all excited for the World Cup. But the guy, the golfers that go play for live, got roasted, destroyed by American media, but will run Chinese propaganda. But we'll, we'll talk about the goofy story that beer can't be sold in stadiums anymore. It's, it's like, why did the golfers catch the same energy that the World Cup should get, that the Olympics should get, that the NBA should get for having preseason games in UAE? For, I mean, why is it just the golfers? This is... The World Cup in Qatar is a tragedy.
3: Golfers and live are a really easy target. The largest sporting event on planet Earth that happens once every four years has got way more politics and international scrutiny on it, and it becomes uncomfortable to criticize in situations like that.
4: It's yeah, Golfers are low-hanging fruit, man. Oh, yeah. It's cowardice and hypocrisy, though, is what it is. It's both of those things. I feel bad. I mean... I mean, yeah, hold, on, hold, on, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let's be real. Can we? Can I, can I just call it what it is?
3: Call it what it is. The low-hanging fruit is that it's a bunch of mostly rich white guys that play golf. And it's really easy to bang on them for going and making a bunch of money playing golf in that part of the world when it's supported by a awful, murderous regime. It's easy to bang on those guys for doing that. Not on the beautiful game, though. It's a beautiful game, man. International support for the World Cup. All
4: over the world. It's gross, is what it is.
3: Yeah, but you don't understand the impact that soccer has on these countries and these communities, and it's far more... ah, Nope, 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 nope. It's just really easy to bang on the golfers.
4: Yeah. Because but, of I who mean, they are, because it's Phil Mickelson, it's it's Sergio Garcia, it's these these guys that live in there. Dustin mansions. Johnson, it's Dustin and John. Patrick yeah. Reed. It's easy. It's yeah. easy, and that's why it is. It, and it, it needs to be noted, of course, that this event is happening now instead of in the summer because it is so debilitatingly hot in Cutter in the summer when it's supposed to be played that they couldn't play it then. So, I'm just disappointed they weren't able to come up with the uh, the like robot air conditioned drones. Oh yeah. Uh, they, they certainly tried. The, did they? <laughs> but, but and and here I am kind of a hypocrite cuz I'm going to watch it because I love the American team. I love our players, the stories uh, that you get with some of these guys. I mean, our our team our team truly is a perfect encapsulation of this country. You've just got normal dudes with normal upbringings in St. Louis, Missouri, or Hershey, Pennsylvania, that just kind of became great soccer players. And then you've got other guys that are uh, the child of immigrants that fled Civil War. One of our players is the child of two immigrants that fed, fled Civil War in their country, moved to America. Now he's a soccer star. I mean, we, we've got It is the perfect encapsulation of the American dream. I love our team on top of just being a sports guy. I love the personalities that we have. They're very easy to support because of who they are and where they've come from. But I'm going to tune in. So the broadcast network is going to get my click on it, and the advertisers are going to have me count towards their impact. So why would they stop supporting stuff like this? Why would they stop putting the World Cup in Qatar? Because dumb Americans like me are still going to watch it despite it being a complete tragedy. So I'm I'm part of the hypocrisy involved here. It's gross that it's happening there. It's disgusting that the Olympics was held in China and NBC ran propaganda for the Chinese government. But guess how I know that they did that? Cuz I watched it. So I'm a sucker too. You're a bomb. I am. Bad human being. It, it the sport this it's so <laughs> Unbelievably, by the way, cr- I'm I know. I know. I'm I know. kidding. Just the the corruption and the the human rights tragedies that are going on. Thank goodness. By the way, the next three. So the the next World Cup is here. Yep. Uh, the The next World Cup after that, I believe, is in Italy. Okay. And in f- France has the next Olympics. So at least like established countries that don't commit human rights atrocities as like part of their selling point are going to be on the worldwide stage moving forward. Which kind of feels like it should be a prerequisite, but hey, what do I know? Y- you would think.
2: Y- you, you know would what think. I do know?
3: You know what I do know? What do you know? When you turn on College Game Day tomorrow morning and you see the snow in Bozeman, Montana, and those people are so excited, you're going to see something else that you hadn't seen in a few weeks. You're going to see Lee Corso back on stage. Now, look, I think we can all agree that Lee Corso's run on college game day is probably nearing its end. But I sure do like the idea of him being able to finish out this season. Yeah. Even if it's in fits and starts here and there, maybe not every single week, but, man, he didn't exactly get to come back to a warm, balmy climate. (laughs) He's going to be in Bozeman, Montana, bundled up tomorrow for college game day. I think
4: that's really cool. I was excited to see that. I, I'm I'm one of those people that, for the last 20 years, uh, however long that show's been running, every Saturday has started with at least a little bit of College Game Day. They'll never lose me, and uh, I'm glad to see that Corso gets to go out on a better way than his health prevented him from ever coming back. You know, absolutely, hundred percent. And hey, look, and you know,
3: in a somewhat similar story. It was cool that Dick Vitale was back on yeah. the Champions Classic game on, on, is it Tuesday night? Didn't do both games. Did the second game. And hey, it was really neat. He's meant a lot to college basketball, even if you're not a huge Dick Vitale guy. It was cool to have him back. All right, we'll put a bow on today's show and this week when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You're one of our own. It is little Axel F Friday, wrapping it up with you, rolling into a chilly weekend, the penultimate weekend of the college football regular season. Yes, Brian Haydad says all college football weekends are great, and we all concur, but we also agree that some are better than others. A sleepy weekend in the SEC save a couple of games, and the most Interesting game is the one that's happening in Fayetteville involving Ole Miss and Arkansas. Here's your full slate of SEC games tomorrow: Austin Peay and Alabama, Florida and Vanderbilt. That's on the SEC Network. East Tennessee, Mississippi State, it's on uh, ESPN Plus, SEC Plus. UMass and Texas A&M, Georgia and Kentucky on CBS. Western Kentucky and Auburn, SEC Network, that's at three. Tennessee and South Carolina, six o'clock tomorrow night on ESPN. That's the game that Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, and Holly Rowe are on, which is
4: odd to me. What other choice would you give them, I guess?
3: Uh, I would send them to uh, Oregon, Utah. It's just me, though. Ole Miss-Arkansas SEC Network at 6.30, New Mexico State-Missouri at 6.30, and
4: UAB-LSU at 8 o'clock tomorrow night on ESPN2. Man, this is exactly the Pac-12's problem, and I guess the network made them do it. But why is is this the only – no, there's two ranked matchups happening this weekend. Ranked on ranked, right? There's only two. Both of the Pac-12: USC, UCLA, and uh, Oregon, Utah. One of them kicks off at 10:30 Eastern. What are you doing? PM, not AM. Hey, did I say AM? No, no, no. P- you, no, you didn't put a a, a a marker on there. I added that. 10:30 uh, PM Eastern. You, I mean, what on earth are you thinking? Hmm. What a golden opportunity. The best the best two games of the weekend are possibly in the Pac-12. And one starts at 10.30 Eastern. You are guaranteeing you're not going to get a national number for that game. You're guaranteeing it. What are you doing? South Alabama,
3: Southern Miss, 2.30 Central time tomorrow in Hattiesburg. That one's on NFL Network. I, I, I believe you, Borky. I'm just looking at it for myself. Holy cow, right? you got USC and UCLA at 5 o'clock Pacific time, which is 8 o'clock Eastern, and Utah, Oregon on ESPN at 7.30 Pacific. 8.30? 9.30? That is 10.30 on the East Coast. Wow. Just...
4: Not forward. But I mean, the Pac 12 after dark tweets will be flowing like crazy. Because as we've learned, Twitter is real life, which, by the way, did you see. News of its demise is greatly exaggerated, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, the meltdown last night. So, like a disgruntled current or former Twitter employee spoke anonymously to the Washington Post about how the website's going to shut down in a few days because Elon's doing this. And everybody, I say everybody, people on that website who apparently live on it and think that it's real life just lost their minds. A- as if, let's pretend for a second that he did lose his development team to keep the website alive. You think he couldn't hire more? That, that there's nobody else out there in the world that can keep a website alive? That it's only the ones that currently work there? I mean, people were talking about all the memories that they've made on a website.
3: Oh, stop. Everybody hates everybody else on uh, Twitter yeah. right up until it gets yanked away from us. And then, oh, goodness, what are we going to do? It's
4: incredible, isn't it? And then, sure enough, the website, when you open it this morning, is still... still still Yeah, I-, I saw a great meme where it was like, uh, you know, Google employee
3: number 137, 418, realizing that Twitter is operating with 700 employees. And it was like... Big eye emoji face. Uh, Let's see here. Chris and Summit, don't sleep on upset Saturday. Four top ten teams going down. Ooh. It's a uh, spicy take. The committee hopes you're wrong. Let's put it that way. Forky, you're a scumbag. That's from Dave (laughs) and uh, Ripley. Thanks, Dave. I
4: appreciate that.
3: Hey, don't forget, you got high school football happening all across the state of Mississippi. I I think I... Apparently earlier said North and South have championship games. Those are next weekend, the Friday night after Thanksgiving. This weekend, it's the uh, either second or third round, depending on what classification you're in. Great matchups all across the state. Will East and the gang will be there to help you break it all down and sort it all out starting at 10 o'clock tonight going until 1130 on the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show. Thanks to our friends at Genteel, genteelapparel.com. Get your collegiate collection gear. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. For Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Have a great weekend. Good night.